Welcome back to Ghosted Hunters. So today's a special episode. We are doing another epilogue. We had a little computer malfunction. Yes. And so part two of Steve will be up soon. But in the meantime, we have a treat for you. We have... Media personality George Strombolopoulos. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy on to be here. Ghosted Hunter. Happy to be here. Thank you for having uh, me. For our double epilogue. That's this right. This is awesome. I yeah, listened to the is... gym one uh, in the car the other day <laughs> and uh, and I thought, hey, this is fun. Let's do this. And now you're here. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so before we started recording, you were kind of talking about your opinions on what was going on with Stephen Leslie. Why don't we just get that out of the way before we sure. get going? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think it. about the Stephen Leslie situation? Well, first, it's important for me to preface anything I say with this, which is I'm in no position to give anybody relationship advice at all. However, when I was listening to, I only heard that first part where he he walked out because he didn't feel she looked as good in the light as she did in the bar. I thought that is an enormous withdrawal from the karmic bank account. And <laughs> for you, I mean, if this guy isn't George Clooney in 1990, even George Clooney in 1995 wouldn't behave that I way. I don't think George Clooney would do that. No, and I'm not but, judging this guy in a way that I don't know him, but that move is the wackest, weakest move you can pull on somebody. Because I don't know what Steve looks like, but... He's not George Clooney in 95. Yeah, he's not, he's, not he's not even like broken brad pitt like he's <laughs> whoa he's and again well, I, I, don't, mean, I don't know the contents of his heart maybe he's an okay guy and this was just a moment of weakness but that move is super weak the move so, is tor- but what if that actually happened what if you were hooking up with a girl and she you got a better look at her and she was no longer attractive to you and does that happen? Does happened. it just never does happened. it literally work like a light? Like no. all of a sudden you look at someone and you're no longer physically attracted? No, no, you you can that you know the next day when the makeup's off, you can see a different personality person sure. for sure in terms of look and mm-hmm. if you know the person is one of those people who if she's rocking fake eyebrows and fake everything, you can see a completely different person the next day. That's true. But if you're going for a hookup for a person that you just picked you up in a bar right. 45 minutes ago, yeah. what do you think you're signing up for? Yeah, this is not, yeah, you're that, not getting, no, you're not, but also not like, Halle Berry. also I'm sure she was, I'm sure she was beautiful and the, the idea that in the middle of this, mo- I think there was something else going on. That's what I think. When I was listening to it, either he got scared, maybe, maybe he had a performance issue, something happened oh. because most guys don't just walk out like that. Even Jim Jeffries had the decency to say, you just, you do it. You stay and you do it, right? So, yeah. my question is, or just why, talk to the person. Yeah, why is your opinion so strong on this? You know, because I think that you can put the world into two people into two different categories. Are you a shithead or not? <laughs> and we live in our culture, especially, and I'm a lot older than you two, but we still live in this generation where everybody thinks their behavior is okay, and they justify and rationalize their own behavior. And they don't take any personal responsibility and feel like they need to do the work on themselves. You're not worthy of somebody's time unless you've done the work on yourself, right? So when, this is why these guys annoy the shit out of me. Like I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy who, like lots of times because I've been in the public eye for a minute in Canada, people will make assumptions on what I'm like with women or what it's like to date me or all that stuff. And I'm sure there's lots of women who are mad at me and have every right to be. However, you don't treat people like shit. You don't embarrass them. So imagine what Leslie, what she was feeling. Right. Well, that we're going to know in the yeah. next episode. Yeah. Like this but, idea yeah, of what... It was... So if you make somebody feel that way, if you make somebody feel that way and it's actually your choice, that's just who you are. And that's what, that's what annoys me. It's like you've got you to gotta do the work. It's okay to piss people off. It's okay to leave people. It's okay to meet them at a bar and not want to fuck them. It's okay to do all that. Um, and you have the right to say no whenever you feel like it. Mm-hmm. The guy can go, I'm not into this anymore as well. Um, but to just leave, I mean, you're just weak then. That's what I think. Like, um, what do you call it? I'm, I'm, the word is escaping me, but uh, non-confrontational? Like, not willing to yeah. accept yeah, I mean, consequences of what they just already chose to do that night? <laughs> I mean, was he just so hammered he just made a bad call? Was it that? If that was the case, then maybe he couldn't form consent and he should have left. Right. But at least sit down and talk to the person. Put on a show. Do anything. But what if you do have ED? What if you can't get it up? Um, then you, you can't that, get it up. Then, then do you think he? Well, you could the still woman? make up an excuse to leave. I mean, there's actually you can do all kinds of stuff, and then you can stop just before and say, "I don't think we should go any further tonight." I just met you. There's all kinds yeah, of ways that, could have that been you can actually much better. Because I'm not saying you have to be. You have to tell everybody what you're feeling all the time. 
You don't have to. Not everybody's entitled to your personal story. Not not everybody's entitled to your motivations either. Mm-hmm. But you do have to make the effort not to be a jackass. I really right. th- now I can say that because I'm a lot older. I mean, me, I don't know how, how old is Steve. Um, well, well, he claims to be in his twenties. Oh, he you was know what? Twenty-five. Then, then, but then, he does then that's not a, look. But listen, if he's in his twenties, that's different. This is the kind of thing that a guy in his twenties would do, right. and a guy in his forties ought not to do. Yeah. So I can cut Steve a whole bunch of slack, knowing that that's how old he is, because. Guys in their 20s, we don't have a real comprehension of the consequence of our action. We don't know that yet. And no one actually teaches us that. That's the really interesting thing. No one actually teaches us because we get raised to think that all the basic parts of our masculinity is wrong, right? So like in this era, there's, so we're, all, we're told that we can't be what our lizard brain tells us to be constantly. So no one's actually teaching you. No other guys are really teaching you. Hey, bro, listen, this is maybe not the move. This is maybe not the move, you know. That's the yeah, kind of shit that. Yeah, don't have those conversations. God no, not to no. not to to bring you down with real talk, but that's kind of what it is for guys, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, uh, and, and I remember when I was in my twenties, nobody was teaching me or or educating me on how. In fact, I, you know, I have three three ex girlfriends or three girlfriends that uh, in my life, I learned more about how to treat people based on my relationships after the fact mm-hmm. with those three than I would have, um, you know, from anybody else telling me. And so. So if he's in his 20s, yeah, it's totally a whack move, but he's a kid. So I can kind of cut a cat some slack, you know, in his 20s. But I'll tell you, he's going to have to learn because that's, that's not the kind of guy you want to be. No. So I want to go back to that, though. What, what lessons do you learn from these women that you dated? Like, what are the relationship takeaways that you took after the fact? You learn how to communicate. And that's what this really is about, I think. You learn how to talk to somebody and, more importantly, how to listen to them. Because not everybody tells you what they feel, but you need to pick up on signals. You don't have to be a mind reader. You don't have to know what someone's thinking. But I think you have to put the work in to listen so that you can look at somebody and say, maybe you're not what you're trying to say to me. I'm not hearing you. Walk me through it a little bit more. I Mm -hmm. think it's about patience and understanding. That's what I know now. I'm 45. That's what I know now at this age that I never would have known when I was, fuck, when I was 35, I didn't even know that, right? But it's, it's after the fact looking at somebody and just saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm sorry for how that all went down. I don't really know why it went the way it went, but I know something didn't work. And if you ever want to walk me through what would have been better, like I do that all the time, but I do that because that's just the kind of, like I'm a curious person and I always want to be a lovelier version of myself. And I started off as a pretty edgy fucking guy. So I wasn't like the loveliest guy when I was 18. So now I want, I'm always trying to do the work to be a little bit better. But these young bucks, man, this idea of pulling them aside and talking to them, that's what, that's what old OGs need to do a little bit more. <laughs> but we're told, like, we're told not to, you know, that the, conversa- the, the real conversation is about masculinity, right? That's the conversation. If you want to know how men treat women and how women treat men and what the relationships are, how you manage your, your growing, evolving, adapting personality as it relates to masculinity, that's how you can have a much better dating life. Well, that's that the out. conversation I think we should have right now because no one has brought that up yet. No one teaches us how to do this. Well, I think it's something that happens in relationships. Like, I, I know that the last guy I dated was terrible. Not a terrible person, but just didn't know how to be a good mate. Was he kind to you? He was very kind to me, but that's he just there were things that he, like... We went on a road trip, and when we got to our destination, we had all the garbage in the car, and I'm taking it all out and throwing it away, and he's just standing there. And I had to explain to him, you're supposed to help me. Mm-hmm. You know, there are little things like that. And now he's with someone. I mean, I trained him so well. But that's what you're supposed and, to do. And that's, yeah. <laughs> and it's, but I mean, like, it shouldn't really have to be, you know, the girlfriend's responsibility. But I do think that that's how people learn, like how you learned communication. Yeah. I learned because uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine, um, years had passed and it always bothered me how it went down and I didn't ever reach out to her to explain because I didn't feel like I was, I wasn't a bad guy to her, not at all, but it didn't end well. It didn't, and it, it didn't exist well, but what I didn't feel like I was entitled to feel better about it. I didn't feel like, Hey, let me call you to talk to you about it so that I can feel better. I didn't feel like I earned the right to feel better. Mm-hmm. I felt like that it was my responsibility to process this and learn this and evolve on my own without having to make her drudge anything up. That's not, it's not her job after the fact. It was on me to do it. I'm huge on that kind of accountability. But then happenstance, we, we crossed paths. We were able to hang out a couple of times. 
and it was really nice how we hung out, but we didn't really talk about us. And then one night I said, hey, you know what? And I just fucking said it. Uh, I get it that this is strange. And there's a whole other part of our history that we're not addressing here, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm happy to talk about it. If you want to talk about it, if not, no. And we had about seven nights of conversations working through. And I was like, oh, yeah. Now let me explain my behavior. And she explained her behavior. Not that we were bad to each other at all, but we just didn't know how to communicate. And that's how you did Like, life's just about work, right? There's no magic to any of this. Do the work. Do the work and you have... And I always say to my friends, especially the younger fellows I know who I work with or elsewhere, you're going to be old, hopefully, a lot longer than you're young. So do the work when you're young so that your older years are rad and that you are unencumbered, you know, that you can, you can build and do lovely things and not have to go on the Make Amends Tour all the time. But I think you have to have self-awareness yes. to, to take that first step. You do. Because I think a lot of these people don't... Everything is justified to them. Right. And in and, and part, I agree with you, but I think part of the reason it is that way is we live in this torturous shame culture. So yep. if any guy, mm-hmm. you know, does any... And I'm not talking about committing a crime. Right. C- crimes are different. Violating work... I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm just talking about if a guy isn't a great guy to date, it turns into a shaming exercise of him which I get it because, you know, the person, the other person, if it's a woman or a man involved in who's dating this guy, they, they have their own personal reality to deal with. But no one's actually helping guys get better or I'm just, I suppose women get better. I don't know. I'm not a woman. I don't know how you guys talk to each other about this stuff. But dudes, we don't, like you said, we don't sit around and just say, yeah, man, I fucking, I said this when I think I should have said that. Like we don't have those conversations with each other. We're, we never have them. So to expect all of a sudden a generation of guys who for 35 years, 40 years, actually, never mind that. It's only been in the last 10 years where people talk about men talking to each other. We're going to erase centuries of evolution and adaptation and expect a whole group of people to overnight know? They're not going to know. Like, it's a long process to get people to even think about becoming self-aware as it relates to this, Mm -hmm. to know the ramifications of their actions and consequence and, you know, things like that. We never learned that as a kid. Like, never. No. Granted, I was alive Boys in the 70s. taught these things. Never. And we're taught it from a shame perspective. Right. We're taught it, hey, never get into a fight. It's like, what do you mean never get into a fight? Mm-hmm. When you're a boy, anger is an enormous part of your force. That's how you protect yourself. When you, like, I grew up in pretty rough neighborhoods. So you walk down the street, anger is how I kept myself from getting my head kicked in all the time. So... Everybody just says, put your anger away. But that's a mistake. Anger is a huge part of the male lizard brain. Understand it. Work it. Adapt it. That kind of stuff. These are the little things that all happen. Not the big things that happen below the surface that actually dictate what kind of person you are above the surface. right? And th- these are the things that I think we never get to talk about really, um, especially dudes to dudes. Mm-hmm. Why do you think dudes are not communicating this way? Is it just kind of like a... We're too busy telling jokes to each other. You know, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. It's not a priority. <laughs> but I think that they do it when when I have guy friends. They, they'll talk to me about mm-hmm. the specifics of what's going on in their relationships. And I'll say, well, yeah. what you did was, you know, wrong most of the time. And, <laughs> um, but it's, I think it's just... If people feel comfortable... Because that's another thing with women. Women are not direct in general to I each find other find that it i mean no not to each other to, to anyone don't you think i mean i i mean i, I feel and, like and, our relationship yes. is very direct we're Ariel very, and i we're, are very direct and honest with each other um i have some other female friends that maybe aren't as direct and maybe i don't feel as comfortable being honest with maybe because i'm afraid i don't want to be taken the wrong way because i can be a very like straightforward person and i don't want to be labeled a bitch or something like that but you are, in general, more direct than most women. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, cool. That's a win. I <laughs> I, I noticed this because I used to work in fitness. I was yeah. a Pilates instructor. Oh, my God. And I had That's male. torture on the... That's it's so amazing. hard. I know. Oh, I'm proud <laughs> of you. Proud of you. That's amazing. I could, I could like, flip both of you over my shoulder. <laughs> uh, but I noticed the communication was so different because women would never tell me what their needs were. Right. They would... They just didn't feel comfortable enough. Yeah. And whereas men would come in with their egos and I would have to kill the ego before we could get to the work. And so 
it's it's a conditioning. Women are not taught to be direct. So that the men have to pull it out of them and the men don't know how to communicate because yeah. they've been taught not to. You know, it's it's you it really it's I don't believe in this concept of the media because the media isn't one thing, right? Like doing this show here, this is as much the media as Fox News, as is CNN, as right. is indiemedia.org. It's it's all do you have a microphone and access to an audience then I guess technically you're the media. But it's it's how we are conditioned with what we consume that dictates our view of either relationships or interactions or job expectations or whatever. And for me, like when I when I work with a trainer, I actually have to say to them right off the bat, I don't have any ego about this at all. Mm-hmm. So just tell me what I need to do. That's why I don't like group classes and why I prefer one-on-one in most parts of my life because it's just get me better. Yeah. I don't have any need to prove to you that I can do this. If I can do this, I wouldn't be here. Right. Right. But I need the work. Um, I think it's just about, you know, guys, it's funny because now we're talking a little bit more to each other about mental health issues. Mm-hmm. We're talking a little bit more to each other about how we feel. That's a completely new thing. You know, my friends, most of my friends, we started together in the media about 25 years ago and we never spoke. And we're communicators for a living. We never spoke about this to each other. Now we're starting to. And that's the first step. I think it's really, it's really neat. You know, one guy will be out and, He'll have a couple of drinks. Maybe he's drunk and we'll get a couple, you know, get some food afterwards and just sort of chill in the car. And one guy will say, yeah, I'm not feeling good. And then that's the door opening, right? So that's the, we're in those beginning stages now for a lot of guys. And maybe how we communicate to each other about how our dating life, maybe that'll become the next part of that. But I think most of the time we don't need to communicate because we're not a pack. Like we don't have that sort of, hey, let's all get together and help them get through a breakup. No, fuck off. If I've been dumped... I'm not really interested in anybody's opinion on why I was dumped. I'd much rather, let's just go have a good time. Like, I don't right. want to talk about it. We're, for a lot of guys, at least the guys that in my circle, none of us are the commiserating bunch. We don't want to get together and have a group cry. That's not our thing, you know? And I don't think it's our biology. I don't think we're wired that way. I think we're wired just to go back out there. And we get sad and we have all those things, but I don't heal by, by um, wallowing. That's not my thing. I don't heal by processing that way. I heal by just like living my life. That's mm-hmm. how I, time for me, right? So I think that's a big part of it for a lot of guys. And all these conversations we're having now, I think we'll, we'll see the impact of them in 50 years. Right, like actually. That's how long it'll take. That's something that we wanted to talk to you about as well um, with ev- the way everything's changing, the way that we meet each other and the way that we date, the way that we communicate and app culture. How do you think that's going to impact us in 50 years? I think it's awesome. Yeah? I think app culture is awesome. I think... You know, you know, like going on an app and hitting and, and meeting somebody and sure. just saying, hey, okay, what, what you do is it, it makes me not have to sit in a bar and watch you get drunk and then listen to you talk to me and then try to figure out, do I, can I, is this fucking, I hang with this person? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know. I'd much rather somebody send me a message on an app at two o'clock in the morning when they're tired and they're probably their most real self mm-hmm. and just go, hey, what's up? Like, hey, what's up? Like, I actually think it's cool if we eliminate the need to be a part of, because the truth is, at least, I mean, I don't know how you, what your experiences were, but I know me growing up, the only way you met girls was by either going to the mall when you're a teenager or going to a bar. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to meet them in the workplace because you can't talk to, you can't flirt with somebody in the workplace. Right. You can't flirt with somebody who works in the same business as you without it becoming a Twitter trend, right? So you can't do that. You, you, the only place to meet somebody, if a friend doesn't introduce you, is you've got to go out into a bar or something like that. Right. That's, just, that's, a, that's really unhealthy because you're seeing the worst part of a person there. You're seeing them having a bunch of drinks and putting on a face and fucking smoking and all. That's the shit that I don't want to see. I actually don't want, because I, I want to get past all of that and just show me who you are really. Because I'm, I'm brave, so I, don't, I have no fear about how people will perceive me or judge me. I don't care at all. And I... So if I meet you, it's like, oh, you'll get the real me. You won't get a version of me at all. This is who I am. Um, usually in the bar situation, you got to go through fucking forever. And you go, let's go and let's have a coffee. And let's like, fuck off. You know, like you can't meet. I think the app culture helps you skip a few steps. I don't mind that. You pre-qualify them. You pre-qualify. But then pre-qualify. you still don't know if you have chemistry until you're in person. And that's important. And that's like, to me, I think that's the biggest component. Yeah, same that's true and if that works that's important certainly for me what I think is really interesting is how do we communicate when there's nothing there's no artifice in the way 
And the artifice isn't the phone. The artifice is that you're nervous around me or I'm nervous around you or you, you spent 40 minutes getting ready and I spent 40 minutes getting ready and then, oh shit, I missed this exit. And so you're, you're just not your purest self. I want to know, like I love, I love actually phone calls and texting because I can hear and read what you say. And I know if you use, if you are the kind of communicator that I can hit it off with, then if I meet you and it's a bit awkward, I know what's inside you. Mm-hmm. I know what you can do. And then to me, it's like, oh, this is a really cool experience to get that woman out of you. The woman that, that is writing me messages. That's the woman I want to know. And so that's why I kind of like it. Because I don't need the chemistry to be, hey, when we're sitting beside each other, do we look like we could, you know, win Amazing Race together, right? It's, it's more like, what are, you, like, what are you about? Who are you? That's the kind of shit that I like. So I actually really like the app culture for that. I mean, I don't use it anymore, but that's, that's actually what I thought was pretty cool about it. You can kind of get through all, you can just write messages to each other. I used, you'd see in the old apps, when, in, the, in the women's bio, it would say, you know, I'm not looking for a pen pal. And I thought, well, you don't want to communicate with somebody? You just want to go meet them right away for 10 minutes and not actually have a chance to know them? That's not it. Like right away, it's like, that's not interesting. Mm-hmm. I want somebody who wants to share words and and share feelings and thoughts. Send me a song that you're listening to. Like, I'd rather you send me five songs before we meet up. Because if you send me five songs by Taylor Swift, we're probably not meeting up, right? Oh so, yeah, I like to get yeah. to know, not that there's anything wrong with Taylor Swift, but if all five are that, I don't want to hang out. And that's the kind of shit that I really like. I, I sort of look at it all as a positive opportunity to meet people differently. Yeah, you're definitely exposed to people that you would never meet in yeah. your day-to-day life. That's true, and I guess you have easier access to people that are allegedly also looking to meet other people as well. But yeah. then then yeah. there's the pitfalls. People become disposable. Because yeah. Because there's but always think, another one around the corner. I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of the way that that's going to affect culture. But aren't people always disposable? Haven't they always been? I feel like there's been an more influx so now in recent it's, years. It's, I mean, like, you don't have to leave the house to swipe for another person. So if this one's getting on your nerves, then you move on quickly. I have a theory about this, though, which is an unpopular theory, but... If you listen to disposable music and you consume disposable food and you support a disposable culture, which most of us have done over the years, why would this be any different? Like we listen, like pop music is mostly disposable. Mm -hmm. The lyrics Mm -hmm. are horrendous in most of them, especially, you know, the lyrics that are either super homophobic or transphobic or misogynist. You can't support that over time without changing the culture. Like people's brains change, I think. So... If you have a if if you if you live a disposable way, you're going to have a disposable relationship, and I don't think that's necessarily bad. I just think it is what it is. I think you're always you're always going to be subject to your choices. I you know I I say this on my radio show all the time because I know I, I I fuck around with pop music a lot, but it's just if the brain is the is the human body, and if you eat too much sugar, you're going to get diabetes. And I think a lot of this pop music is fucking diabetes of the brain, mm-hmm. diabetes of the soul. It's like you can't listen to guys talking about women that way or or you know gays that way and I have friends who are gay and I hear some of the shit I listen to like I can't listen to this rapper anymore or I can't listen to this this you know rock band anymore because of what they say what happens is I'm training my brain to look at people differently I'm training my brain to actually make conscious choices so now when I interact with people they're much it's a much more authentic moment because you're not disposable to me right you know I go to a Dr. Dre show and I love it and I sing along to most of the songs and I have to self-edit a bunch of songs because I don't want to say certain words out loud. But I think that you can't have one without the other. I don't think you can live, if you don't live an authentic, um, positive life, you're not going to have authentic, positive relationships. I don't think you can because you haven't done the work. That's what I think anyway. So I don't mind the disposable part of app culture because it's no one promises anything else. You know, it's, I, I, I mean, I was dating long before smartphones existed and chicks didn't call you back all the time. Really? And then you move on. They move on. You didn't call people back and they yeah, move on. that's true. You know, yeah. so yeah. now it's just, you can be reminded of your match, right? You're like, oh, fuck, right. I totally forgot. You know, and they, a year later, someone sends you a message or whatever. That to me is the, is the best part. But I'm, I'm, I have a, you know, obviously my view of interactions are different. I like it when it's odd and and, 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 and has a completely different rhythm to it. I don't need it to be, hey, let's talk, let's meet, let's do this, let's talk, let's meet, let's see if there's anything there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I was laughing. I think Raya is the app that always said, is just here for friends. Everybody should just be here for friends. 
mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, go on, yeah. you know, another, like that, everybody should be just for friends. Then that app becomes more meaningful if you actually have people, if you sit around from somebody and say, oh, I met you on that app, fucking A, but now we're friends. That's, right. That to me is really cool. Yeah. That's how I kind of want to live my life. I mean, a hookup app. I mean, there was Thrinder. Was that a hookup app that was a long Thrinder? time? I think it was called Thrinder. Someone, I mean, yeah, yeah, someone sent me an app once. Yeah. Wait, what? There was like a threesome app, which it, is not yeah, really now. It was right. Tinder for threesomes. Yeah. Oh. Thrinder. Does that, that not exist a, anymore? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, was I, an, see, I see that on regular dating apps. Really? Yeah. There's like couples that are always looking for a third on Bumble. Oh, really? I'm not on Bumble. Yeah. Really? That's amazing. Yeah. Bumble's going to get a lot of new... <laughs> yeah, <you said> <laughs> a lot of new subscribers Bumble now. should sponsor us there's some cash our way uh-huh. yeah we'll arrange some threesomes <laughs> they won't include us but we'll arrange they won't them include them. us but we will yeah. help you we'll be like we'll... the madams you're very gracious you're very gracious <laughs> I mean, you know just want to contribute to society well listen we all have to do our part I mean you know like, like, sounds like you're doing a lot of your part. I think that yeah, Fine. you're very, yeah. you're very, you're very culturally aware, savvy. Yeah. I was very lucky that I um, came of age in the media, and I worked for four or five really, really impactful people in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them are women, who were, you know, either they were my employers, my employees, or my colleagues, and we had real time together you work together you build and plus we're so passionate about our art we built our art together so you see what the person's like and then they don't coach you to become a better person but if you pay any attention you can actually learn oh all right here are here are what needs are and here's how this person goes so i've learned like i was raised by a single mom who taught me an enormous amount about how to behave um we have completely different worldviews she's a hardcore religious um, she's pretty conservative and I am nowhere near what she is, but we love each other and we get along. And so all these, I probably have like, I can probably count 10 or 15 women in my life who have indirectly made me the person that I am and some directly, right? Obviously I have to do the work and I have to listen, but, uh, and a couple of really strong men as well, but I'll give you an example. My mother. So when I was, I think 10, 10 or 11, my bedroom wall was covered in pictures of metal bands and punk bands. Like that was it. And anything that was horror related, that was my bedroom, 10 or 11 years old. The only picture of a woman I had on my wall was uh, a woman called Heather Thomas was in a show called The Fall Guy, which is this TV show back in the day, um, which they shot not too far from here. And I got this poster at a fishing show that I went to. And the picture was of her in a bikini. So I, you know, it was 10 or 11, put it on my wall because that's what you do. Right. Um, I came home from school and my mother had tacked one of my shirts over her body, <laughs> like from her neck down. She, your mom dressed she your dressed poster. Her. That's yeah. really funny. And then I walked in and I took it off, right? And she put it back on. And we kind of went through this for about a week. And I was like 10 or 11. And my mom was a really young mother. I think my mother was only 18 or 19 when she was pregnant with me. So she was she had no real education. She was just figuring this out herself, single mom, uh, raising me and my sister. So she would tack this, this fucking shirt on. And I used to always like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she finally said to me one day, and it was a really impactful moment. She said, she called me Bucky. She said, uh, she read a book where there was a dog with big brown eyes called Buck. And that's why she called him Bucky. So she said, Bucky, that's not, your, that's not your wife. She goes, that's not your girlfriend. You don't get to look at her like that. And I said, but it's just a picture. And he, she said to me, it's just a picture now. But if you keep looking at her that way, then you're going to think that that's how women are supposed to dress for you. And she said, they're not supposed to dress for you like that because that's not the game, right? So she said, you're more than, ha- you're, you're more than uh, welcome to have that picture on your wall. But if it's in my house, put a shirt on her. And oh this is, my God, that's, that's awesome. I love your mom. Yeah, she really had the, the wherewithal yeah. to set you up she did. with a good perspective of I women. I love single I moms. Know. I love men raised by single moms. I love single dads. It's a crazy life when it's you're raised so by a single hard. parent. It's it so hard. It's so hard. I have so much respect for them. And you oh see how God. much they gave up. Yes. It's how much they gave up. Yeah, yes. you have to give up a lot yeah. to do it. Not that I'm by any means a perfect guy, but again, it's I'm, I'm working. Like, you do the work, but I can point back and see, oh, that's actually a really big... So, you know, when I'm 14, 15, 16, 18, 25, you're meeting girls, I don't remember that part of my life. But then all of a sudden, when I start to realize, hey, that choice I made wasn't a great choice... That's when you start doing a little bit of digging and wanting to be a better person. And then you can dig a little and see that there are actually pillars already in your life from which you can build a nice floor of 
an evolved life. And then you go, oh, this person taught me that. I can build on that. And my mom gave me a lot of that stuff. But again, I worked with so many great people in, uh, in, in media that when I was on the air, I was never going to say something stupid. When I watch these guys on YouTube now or fucking idiots on television saying comments that are racist or tweeting shit or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like, holy fuck, who taught you how to be a media person? Mm-hmm. Like, who taught you how to be... Like, I don't mind offending people. I offend people all the time on the air, but I offend them for things I believe in, right? But the idea of having to say sorry because I used a word... Right. I got in a lot of grief because I used the word Jesus Christ on my radio show. I and say that too. All the time. Say, I oh say my God. It. I say it, I'm a Jew. Yeah, yeah there you I go. Mean... And I got a long letter from a guy complaining, a former minister, and I just deleted the email after reading it. And then my boss was like, no, you should probably respond to him. And I was like, no. And I deleted it. And I kept deleting it. And he's like, why are you deleting it? I said, well, I don't believe in him. So to me, that's like somebody writing me a letter because they're offended because they said fucking Harry Potter on the air. I don't care. I won't, I'm not going to engage with people like that because we can't validate that sort of outrage. That's fake mm-hmm. outrage to me. So what do you think about what's going on in the media right now and what happened with James Gunn in the past week and, so, you know. Now, I don't know what James tweeted. I didn't read. Was it like 10 years ago he tweeted something? It was probably 10 years ago and he said, made some joke about, um, something like, like, something like, about a, a, like a pedophile joke about young boys. Yeah, something. Was he a pedophile in any way? No. I don't think so. No, no. To me, it, it looks clearly a like, a, like now, a joke. Is it Disney who got rid of him? It was Disney, yeah. Is Disney's the same yeah, people who I made mean, movies like Pocahontas? Right, yeah, so but they also right. make Marvel movies now. Yeah, but they, you know? if you go but, back but in Disney, like, ten, right? That it's yeah, not culturally sensitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Culturally sensitive. But I think that they just have to uh, because they're Disney. They have to err on the side of caution. Right, well, this but, is it. So it's it, we're in punitive though, culture. But here's the question, well, is, though. I mean, the situation aside, what does this mean for media in general? You know, like now is something that we tweeted ten years ago. We're now held accountable for today. If mm-hmm. it was a joke, if it was something that isn't related to anything or not connected to any crime or action? I think we're in the era of the Inquisition, right? I think we are in the era of the Inquisition where everybody is going to get shaken out of the trees and you're going to see where most people stand. And there are going to be lines in the sand that are drawn, for sure. And it's not about men versus women. It's not. Because I watch legendary feminists getting destroyed on, it, on, on social media by young feminists who, say, who are telling the old school feminists, shut up and move on. Like, I'm seeing that conversation. So the, the debate is happening within everybody, mm-hmm. and not just about gender issues. The debate is happening, as you know, about politics and everything. The debate happens over sports teams. So, like, this, we're in the era where everybody's just going to pound each other down, mm-hmm. and when the dust settles, we'll be like, all right, now what are we going to do? And I'm not, I, I'm not even convinced it's all bad to do that. I'm not convinced it's, you know, this, the way men... Most men, not most men, the way a lot of men behaved in the workplace. So when the Me Too thing it, happened, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really nice to sh- see a shift in that culture. Totally. I mean, totally. It's it's like I, I worked on a game show and I was sexually harassed left and right. And after all of these things, did that person came get called to out? Light, um, sounds like it was more than one person. It was, there were oh, multiple yeah? people. I mean, there was one that was really terrible, but, um, and I reported her to them when yeah. I left. It was a lesbian. There's a lot of that too. Trump supporter. Not, not lesbian, but there's a lot of like, there's a, because people are shitty. Yes. There are some good people and there are some shitty people. Yes. Yes. And people will do what they're able to get away with. And for a long time, mm-hmm. most men were able to get away with a lot of stuff. Yeah. So now we have a reckoning and I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay I to agree. have a reckoning. I agree. The, 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 the challenging part of the conversation over time will be what, what is the right way forward to make sure this doesn't happen again? I, I watched, and I'm a big Angela Davis fan, and, I watch, and she talks about uh, prison abolishment all the time. And I watched her in the heat of the Me Too movement when it first happened and came out. She was doing a, a, an event in Vancouver, and she was saying, and she even brought it up. She's like, do we want to create a prison culture? And I'm not, I'm not commenting on people who have committed crimes, because yes, we have, we have prisons. Um, I'm just saying in general, as a, as a culture, what is the best way to ensure that the kids who are seven today don't behave this way down the road? And does a 10-year-old tweet that is, in, that is offensive, mm-hmm. like that's not the same thing as what Roseanne did. I agree. But again, I didn't read the tweet, but it was just a joke? It was like a pedophile joke? It was just a bad joke, and, and it's, it's, you know, I mean... I'm sure if somebody went into my Twitter and yeah. went 
a few years back, I, you know, I was not as evolved as I am now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's part of being, I mean, I, we were talking about going yeah. back and deleting. Well, the thing that I find, uh, frustrating about that situation in particular is that these were, you know, really, really, um, conservative people that went back through his tweets yeah, and dug stuff up motivated. because he's very outspoken about Amazing. Donald Trump. And <laughs> that's what, that's what it was, right? That's what wow. it was. And so they found this and here's the thing. If you're going to look for something negative, you can find it. You know, yeah. like You'll if a guy I'm it. dating looks through my phone, you can find something to be mad at me for, you know, like it exists. Sure. Like it's I just don't whatever you look for you'll find exactly that's what frustrates me is kind of like where are we going with all of this like where does this end and is I I don't think everyone needs to be dragged through the mud I really don't I I think that if you're doing jokes you should be able to make whatever joke you want and you're going there will be attacks for sure there will be attacks. We, we used to do this thing on our old show back back in the day about the R word because I, I don't like the R word, obviously. And we would have guys what on. Word? The R word. You know, people use the R word uh, when they talk with somebody who has a developmental oh, disability, that sure, word. Sure, 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 sure. And I had, I think it was, was it John, John C. McKinley, is a great actor on our show, um, whose son, I think his son has Down syndrome, and he was talking about the R word. And he said, you know, it's funny because a white guy can say the N word, but there's a tax you're going to have to hear about it. And he wanted to implement the same cultural tax on the R word. Mm -hmm. My whole thing is this. You can make fun of anybody for what they do or how they live. Yeah, you can attack people's character. 100%. But you can't attack somebody for something that they have no control over. Right. However, I would, in a comment, like a comedian wants to make a joke that's super offensive, I don't care. Because I actually think that the more offensive the shit is, the more you're forced to talk to somebody about it and have a position. So when I watched, you know, because I was on a network TV show for a long time and people would say, oh, this audience is going to get offended if you say this. And I'd be like, well, fuck, why? Because their kids are watching? Yeah. Well, maybe they ought to not have me raise their kids. Maybe they ought to raise their kids. So if I say something that challenges your kid and your relationship with your kid, you talk to them about it. I ain't your dad, right? Right. So I I actually don't, I, I personally don't care when people say things that are offensive, even if they say them to me. You know, I grew up way below the poverty line as a child of immigrants in a very ethnically diverse neighborhood. So I know what the class system is, Mm -hmm. right? And when people make jokes about my ethnicity or being poor or whatever, I'm never offended. And if I am offended, that's on me. Because I'm not going to let anybody have power over me. Some random comic I never heard who put on a Netflix special is going to change my fucking day? No chance. No chance am I going to struggle tonight because of what somebody on Netflix said about my people. I don't care about that. However, I think it's really important that if you do care about that, that you be heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, what I think you should is... should be able to express it. We live in a culture now, though, I think, where everybody expects a resolution. There's no resolution that's promised to us. Hey, I said this thing that offended you, and now you told me you were offended. That's the end of the conversation there. Like, what do you want them to do? Not I, not free speak, not speak freely? I, I had somebody on Twitter the other day try to call me out for a joke I posted. And and it was so stupid. And, and what was the was, joke? It was um it was it was like um my like uh, it's a conversation so it's my newly engaged delusional friend says i want to be a princess on my wedding day right and then i say oh you want to give up all your rights as a private citizen and be scrutinized for the rest of your life that's really funny yeah thank you that's funny and and so somebody responded like oh well you're um, that's like the opposite of some kind of shaming and i said no actually it's it's what did I say? It's, I said something funny. Like it's, I'm, I am shaming. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Someone got mad at me yeah. too on Instagram for, for that? something ridiculous. Yeah. No, I posted something because I got sent on a plus size casting. Oh, I saw that picture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was funny, and I was like, I really don't care if I'm plus size. Like I'm. But you were still making a joke out of it. Yeah. With you know how I am, whatever. It's not that big of a deal, but I did think it was kind of funny. So I posted something. Oh, that was something. A, bi- a bikini shot too, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, I posted a bikini picture and I said, this is what plus size is in Hollywood. And some girl <laughs> that I actually know in real life, she's yeah. not a troll, it's a real person. She commented and said something like, well, uh, I love my body would have sufficed. And I'm like, 
Yeah, for what? You for what tell, you want me you, to say? Yeah, you can't tell someone for your how to opinion of what something. I what yeah, I should exactly. be talking about right now. No, that's your agenda. That's yes. not mine. Did that, you did you comment with anything other than shut the fuck up? I deleted it. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, that's that's also a, a reasonable yeah. one. This idea that you here. This is my Instagram page. This is your Instagram yes. page. Yep. If you don't like what I say, shut the fuck up and move on. Unless you want to engage in a conversation, like this. This, but this idea of attacking you for your post who cares and i think that's actually the long-term ramifications to me the app culture is not the problem it's the comment culture that's the problem yeah so people have been are constantly i post stuff on facebook and i don't even read comments for the most part Mm -hmm. and when i do it's it takes everything in my in my will of my will not to write what the fuck is wrong with you. So I, I do sometimes engage because I, I like a good fight. So I will <laughs> I, I will absolutely get into it from time to time. Um, but I, I feel like I I'm my positions I'm unwavering in a lot of them because if they're social justice issues, and there are going to be people who just don't understand. And sometimes I want to turn them into teachable moments, and sometimes I just want to have a fight if you want to fight with me. And I think that's okay. Um, I could never run for public office because. Many times I've said to somebody, shut the fuck up. Like, I don't care what you think. Like, I don't care what you think. Um, I'm the one that's got to die when I got to die, like Jibby said. So I'm not, I don't worry so much about it, but I get destroyed on social media, like all the time. Uh, mostly on Twitter or Facebook. And it's almost always because I'm pro-woman, pro-gay, pro-trans, pro-puppy. I'm a mm-hmm. vegan. I don't drink alcohol. And like I'm so all the things that what is the criticism that you get? Oh no, they just you you know you lefty whatever, and that's what it is. Even though I'm not necessarily a lefty oh, whatever. Oh, snowflake. Yeah. yeah. Although what I've realized is anybody that calls you a snowflake, they're generally the snowflake, um, because I I never get offended. Like I am even if I'm the target, I don't get offended because I don't care what almost anybody thinks of me because I know who I am. I'm my mother's son, and I generally like the guy that I am, and the parts of me that I don't like, I work on. Like, I work on them. And I think that's actually the fun part of life, is just going, hey, fuck, I'm way better than I was, you know, 10 years ago about this. But I also don't hold myself too accountable for the shit that I did wrong back in the day. Yeah, I think forgiving yourself is a big thing that most people don't even realize is a part of growth that I think everyone can benefit from. I'm working on that, forgiving myself from stuff that I've done. Because what's the other? Yeah. What's the option? Like being mad at yourself right. forever, you can't, you can't which also sucks. That. You can't carry that forever. <laughs> yeah. No, and you and you shouldn't. You uh, there are lots of times where I don't let myself off the hook for things I've done because I thought, you know what, that's a weight I ought to carry. I shouldn't run as fast in my life. I should wear I should wear that weight ankle <laughs> for a while because I don't I don't deserve the right to go. Oh, sorry, and move on. Mm-hmm. Like sorry is not. A, I'm not interested in the word sorry almost ever. I'm always interested in. Uh, let's not do that again. But sorry is about the person saying sorry. Like, I don't need the apology. And again, maybe I'm so detached from needing other people's approval or, or whatever. That's the benefit of being in the public eye for a long time. You either really care or you don't care at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the other side of the camp. I don't really care at all. So if someone likes me or doesn't like me, you're like, oh, big deal. You know, you just kind of, you, you just, you deal with it. All the shit that I feel, it's because I want to feel it or I feel like I ought to feel it. I don't need anybody else to let me off the hook. It's, this is all personal. Yeah, but I think that sorry, when it comes from somebody that you care about, somebody who you value, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily a validation thing. It's um, this person means something to me. Our relationship means something. Yeah. And so that apology... I get that, that acknowledgement. I love a good apology. Yeah. I'm a sucker like for a that. Like a sincere <laughs> apology, and you, you know, when you really want to rectify something, I think that that... Yeah, it's important. I hear you. I, I mean, I guess I like, I, I can I can roll with that. What I like is, sorry isn't as big a deal to me as walk me through why you thought that or why you felt that way, so I can understand where you came from, because I think if I have a sense of one of the girls I dated back in the day, she said to me, "I want somebody who understands who I am and why I am," and I didn't know what she meant. I thought she meant understanding, to be understanding. I'm like, I am understanding. She said, you are, but understand me. So that's what I value more, is let me understand where you came from. And sometimes a guy can be, you know, fucking total bonehead move, totally didn't mean it, came out the wrong way, this, this. I'm like, all right, cool, got it. Like, I like that. But I'm always interested in trying to understand where it came from, 
why it came from so that I never have to think about it again. You know, we've addressed it. And it, I can then change my behavior. Mm-hmm. I'm always interested in what role did I play in making you react this way. Right. And it's more than just the action itself. It's yeah. like the history and the relationship and the person and you. And there's so much more involved than the actual incident itself. Yeah. If somebody freaks out at you, sometimes they're just a jackass. Mm-hmm. But often you might have played a little role in it. Right. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I'm not that guy. How do I not play that role in it? Sometimes you do it just for fun. But these are just with your buddies, I guess. Um, but I guess that's who I am. I'm always very curious about how we can interact in a more harmonious way. That's mm. what makes me. I mean, I don't have. I like that. I don't have drugs or alcohol, so I can't fucking placate myself. No. This is how I do it. I'm like, oh, what are we doing? How are we as a people? That's what's interesting to me. Connection is your drug. What's interesting to really us yeah. too? I gave a Red Bull too. That's the hardest thing I ever had. To oh, play. what? So, oh. so that's the hardest thing I ever had. To play. So now I have human connection. <laughs> but I, I live in the woods in Topanga and I almost never see anybody. So that's okay too. I guess I don't need human connection, do I? Uh-oh. Well, you got your apps. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't have well, those apps I mean, anymore. I feel like there's so much that we've talked about here. I mean, yeah. I feel like I'm going to have to listen to this multiple times. I know. We, this is yeah. Great. Was this the wrong this tone is, for what you're no, going for? No, no, great. This is this great. not as great. funny as Jim's. Jim's no, is very no, funny. No. Great conversation. And I do recommend anyone that's uh, listened to this to listen to it again. Just like let it process, digest. We do have some scenarios for you. Okay. Some what I, would you do? All right. Do, do you it. remember the one that we... No. Oh. I, I think we have time for one. Then we okay. got to wrap right. this up. Okay. Now I don't remember it. Scenario to me, okay, just make one up. Oh, no, freestyle no, no. it. No, here's what it, yes, yeah. okay, here's okay. So, you're dating this girl, yeah, casually, yes. You hook up for the first time, yes. The next morning, yeah, she is having assumptive couple relation, uh, uh making yeah. assumptive couple statements to yeah. you, like, well, should we go here this weekend? Should we, like, you are now her boyfriend, god, no, yeah, what would you do? <laughs> You like her. You like her. You're not like, ah. But, but you like it's her. soon. It's You're early. Like, it's after it's one hookup. One hookup, couple casual dates. She's cute. You like her. You right. don't know. You're on the fence. I'm on the fence. What would I do? You're on the fence. I would probably internally uh-huh. go, oh, shit. Okay. This is not what I want. Okay. But then I would sit there and try to be... Well, I would hope I was just too busy to go away that weekend. Honestly, that's the wrong answer, but that's what I would do. I'd be like, oh, that's a great idea. I can't because I'm working. Here's the thing. When, if, if anybody spends any time with me. And then she's like, okay, so then tonight we're going to go on a double date with my friend and her fiance. Fucking draw the line right you there. You would love so, him. You guys are going to no. be the best of friends. No, you no. say double date right there and I'm out. That's like a fucking play date with your kids. I'm not, I've not signed up for that. That's not what I do. I'm not meeting your friends. I'm not that so guy. you would say that. Yeah, I've said that before. It's like, listen, I, I have so much work to do that I, you know, I, I'm not going to, there's no, I'm not going to be hanging out with your pals tonight and watching them pretend to be vital again. Well, there, no, there's no chance. So I, my whole thing has always been. And then she starts to cry. Well, then you just have, then you know. Then, Ugly cry. Then you know right there that this is not a good match, right? Anybody who dates me and or has dated me in the past knows that, I, I'm on the road all the time. I'm busy all the time. Um, I'm not, I always laugh when people go, well, if you really wanted to see somebody, you would do it. That's what people who don't have busy lives say, because <laughs> that's actually not true. It, like my job takes me all over the, you know, I travel all the time. So generally they just get bored of me over the time. They get bored of the schedule. And I'll say, listen, I'm so happy to do this. I'm so happy to be connected to you, but you just understand that here's my schedule. Logistically, you only have so much right. bandwidth to I, give. I used yeah. to joke with my friends, and maybe still do, the idea of having a, a partner, like a, like a marriage, it's at least once a month, there is a fucking baby shower, a friend's birthday, mm-hmm. a wet, three weddings in the summer. Mm-hmm. So you can work 12 or 13 things that you have to do as the plus one with that person. And I was like, I don't have 12 nights a year. I don't have that schedule. I'm usually doing what you're doing. I'm, on, I'm in front of a microphone. I got my headphones on and I'm, I'm working. Mm-hmm. So tw- if I have 12 nights a year where I don't have to do something, I am not going to somebody to their baby, baby shower, shower for a kid that I'm never seeing again. <laughs> There's no fucking way that I'm spending my Saturday doing that when we could be riding a motorcycle somewhere. We're not going. I'm not going to the fucking wedding. And I always would say, you've got lots of friends. 
and go with one of your friends. You have to have your own life. I'm not going to spend 12 nights a year at some birthday party when I can be working. That's what I say. This is why I don't have a lot of long-term relationships. I mean, it makes it pretty challenging. It makes it really challenging. <laughs> it does. But you know what? I love, I love what I do, and I love creating things. So I realized that if this is the thing that I'd, I'd love to do the most, which is to build art and make shows and do cool shit with cool people. Um, you need to date someone you do that with. <laughs> or, or date somebody who has their own life. This is what oh, I really yeah. like. like have somebody your own who's life. equally busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just okay with who they are. The, the number one thing that I'm attracted to is somebody who's just cool with who they are. That's it. You know, I, a friend of mine, I, I sort of loose, I love him a little bit. We're not great friends, but he's a good dude. He's been married for 40 years uh, in the public eye for that whole time. He used to be on, in the public eye with his wife. Um, and then his career kind of took off more than hers did. And I said to him once, what, so how does that, how did you manage that? 40 years with the person. And he said, you want nothing but the best for your partner, but it's their responsibility to go and be happy. Mm-hmm. You can't make people happy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do what you can to be supportive, but they got to go get their happiness. And that's kind of how I live my life. So the people that would be compatible with me or have been um, are the ones who, have their own art and I'm the one that wants to see them and they're too busy. Like, I like that. It's like, Hey, I can't, I'm doing that. I'm playing a show tonight or I'm doing this. Okay. Fucking A. I'll see you when I see you. So you don't go to like codependence anonymous and pick up women when they're walking out. (laughs) The concept of codependency is what was that? It's pretty unattractive. What's that Leonardo DiCaprio? Was it Leonardo DiCaprio movie? Was it called revolutionary road? What was that? Oh, with the, okay, yeah, like, yeah. And, and they moved yeah. to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When my friends say, she hated him. Yeah. yeah, they're like, I don't watch horror movies. They're scary. And I'm like, I don't watch that movie. To me, that's hell. I would much rather watch a gore film. That was such than a depressing that. depiction of marriage. Yeah. Well, yeah. that seems like a good place to end. All right. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much, George, for thank your you. honesty, your time, no, thank your you vulnerability. You were enlightening. And, no. Yeah, your opinions. I, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Me too. Appreciate your time. Thanks All for right. Time.